With the trade deadline looming, the Braves bash their way past the Brewers. We continue to have fun, know it's part of the game. Of, you know, you're going to go through those ebbs and flows. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report, presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. From high atop Truist Park, I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano. And uh, Justin, this weekend against Milwaukee was a clear reminder who's got the best offense in the National League. Yeah, it's the Atlanta Braves. And Jay, a few days ago, the Braves had left Boston having lost two games. It was not particularly pretty. It was probably not fun for fans to watch. They reminded you the Braves are still the Braves, and they're in good standing. This is a long season, and I think at this point, this is where you want to be if you're the Braves. And coming up, we'll take a look at all that went right against the Brewers and how Atlanta was able to write the ship that was not completely wobbly, but just a little bit uncomfortable, plus how Marcelo Zuna and Matt Olson both got back on track in big ways and where the Braves stand with less than 48 hours until the trade deadline. This is your first time listening to the show. Welcome aboard, and please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger, and most of Metro Atlanta's heading back to school this week, but if you got some last-minute items on your kid's school supply list, head to your Metro Atlanta Kroger store. They've got you covered with 250 items at 3 bucks or less, including some that are just a dollar. So we got lots of things on sale. Head to your local Kroger store or go to Kroger.com slash school. That is Kroger.com slash school. And uh, you've heard from us quite a bit this week. we got more to come, a special post-deadline edition podcast coming up on Wednesday, and you missed our live show to our AJC subscribers on Friday. We'll head back in the feed and uh, take a listen when you're done with this one. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, to get to talk live. At a certain point, though, I feel like, I don't know if you felt this way, I forgot the cameras were there. And then you were, I was having a lot of fun talking, and then you, at one point, jumped in and said, Okay, this is our last question. I could have done that for two hours. That was a lot of fun. If, if, you're, if you're doing a show right, you should uh, the, the time should fly by. And uh, that 45 minutes with our subscribers really flew by. So we hope, uh, and we hope all of our podcasts uh, fly by as you're listening to us. But uh, really, really hope we can do that more often. That was a lot of fun. It flew so much so that I, I feel like there's a little bit of trade deadline meat and a little bit of reaction on the bone, especially with... Uh, with what happened this weekend with some fellow foes around the league. Yep, got plenty, plenty still to talk about with the deadline. We'll get to that coming up in the second segment of this podcast. But let's go ahead and start with uh, what we saw this weekend. And uh, well, manager Brian Snicker thought of sweeping the Brewers. You know, it's a good win. You know, there are three good wins against a really good club. And, and um, so it's good, you know, kind of shot ourselves in the foot a couple of times today. And, and, you know, just keep roaring back. I think it's just testament how these guys are. I mean, they're just, like I say, nothing phases them. You know, they just started, you know, every day, the new inning. We can put a bad inning behind us and, and you know, win the next one. And, and um, But it's good. It's, you know, it's nice to be a, a good club like this. Yeah, the Braves jump out again to first inning leads on Saturday and Sunday. I don't know if I've ever seen this at any level at any time. I mean, it's just crazy what, what they do in the beginning, you know, and it just keeps on, too. It's been a long time now that they've been doing this. But I've never seen anything like that. I mean, the first inning is more than just a fluke now. It, it, it is truly a thing, and it's amazing how much it keeps happening. Yeah, and, and today I asked Snit, is there something to be said? I mean, it's hard to put your finger on these things, right? These statistical anomalies so often are unexplainable because they're so specific and so random. But I asked Snit, like, is it at this point, do you just kind of credit the guys for being ready to go? And he said, yeah, that's that's about as best as you can put it. Um, thanks, Snit, for saying that. 
But Marcelo Zuna said, "Hey, we just we just come out swinging. We come in ready to to, to swing, and we come in ready to do damage, and and we all unit. You know, all 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 of those nine guys you have out there, we unit. I mean, I think they're just always in attack mode when they when they come out. And I mean, I think it's there's got to be something psychological too, right? Like if you're a pitcher and you know that you're facing Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, and Matt Olson right out of the gates." Um, and I say four of them because one of them will likely reach and at least four guys will come up. I mean, maybe you feel like you have to be perfect. And the Braves are so aggressive early in counts, especially Acuna. I just think that it really lends itself to not letting pitchers settle in and, and jumping on maybe their fastballs when they try to get ahead. I mean, there's, there is something to it. It is no longer a fluke. But, man, I mean, what a boost when you're up 2-0, Three zero today. Six was, zero. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there was that one crazy stretch with Miami's Yuri Perez and uh, the White Sox um, Michael Kopech, where it was like twice in nine days the opposing pitcher didn't even get out of the first inning. There's just ridiculous things that they're doing, um, and quite the boost for really setting the tone. Can you can you explain why? You know, Snit brought it up that, you know, he said this all season that nothing phases these guys. We've heard it from a lot of players in the locker room. Can you can you kind of wrap your head around why, like, the ship just keeps going? Even if they have three bad series, they'll they'll tear up a playoff team like the Brewers this weekend. Yeah, I think it's because my best explanation based on, you know, what I've been told and the answers we get in the times this has happened and the times we've asked the question is – these are just really experienced guys. They're young, but they're experienced in their baseball lives. Um, and what I mean by that is this was a team that five years ago walked into Dodger Stadium, very wide-eyed in the postseason, probably was, you know, they were a year ahead of schedule. They were not ready for what they would face, but it pays dividends, right? They go to 2019. They have that really, really let-down series against the Cardinals, especially that final game here at Truist Park. 2020. They go, you know, they basically make a run deeper than maybe a lot of people thought in terms of getting up 3-1 against the Dodgers, but they lose. 2021 World Series, they get hot. They've experienced the ebbs and the flows, the highs and the lows. I mean, they have experienced everything there is. And think about this core, right, Jay? Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley. Matt Olson is not young in his baseball life, but you have Eddie Rosario. You have, you have all these guys who have been on this ride together. They've been on this journey together. And I just think when you have that, yeah, like a July Sunday in Milwaukee doesn't really move the needle for Ozzy Albies. You know, he's clutching that situation. A, you know, a July day here for Ronald Acuna, for Matt Olson, who homered twice. It's like, eh, it's kind of old hat. Like these games are important, but they've been on the biggest stages. And I think all of that experience has led them to just be so unflappable in situations that are, much smaller and you know in the big picture must much less important than when they've played with the highest stakes and i think that really pays dividends and you know, we, we've gotten fans have asked us questions and i've asked this question like is it gonna come back to haunt him that brian snicker runs the same nine guys pretty much out there every day but it allows them time to bounce back and we've seen in the last seven days matt olson austin riley Marcelo Zuna, incidentally, all hitting 368 in their last seven games. Exactly. Exactly 368, according to the internet, which is never wrong. That, that's pretty good. That's 
that is a statistical anomaly in itself. No, I do think that, look, when these guys struggle, Snit's consistency really helps. Now, let's be honest with this. Snit can only have that consistency because Austin Riley, Matt Olson, and those guys are who they are, and the back of the baseball card speaks for itself. He's not running utility guys out there. but Or ever run a utility guy <laughs> right? But, <laughs> but... It really helps players bounce back. They hang with themselves, he says. Um, and, and he hangs with them. He sticks with them. Look at how long it took before he moved Matt Olson out of that second spot in the lineup. Austin Riley has hit third all year. I, I mean, now Ozzy always has hit second for a good month and a half, I think, at this point. I'm trying to get my time right there. Um, I, I think there's so much consistency there that even when these guys struggle – they know that they're going to play. They know that they're going to be there. And I think baseball is such a rhythmic game, like I said in our live show, that it helps. It really helps them turn the corner when they're going to be out there the next day. Because I don't think complacency in that instance is much of a thing. I think it more just gives them a little bit of runway to see this through and to continue hanging with themselves. And I think they learn from that. But, of course, these guys have backs of the, you know, the baseball cards. That's what it comes down to. Snick can afford to stick with them. But he did mention it for Olsen today. He's another one of those guys that you can't give him a day off. He won't accept it. Um, and that's why these guys he Snit thinks have these great years is because they're playing a ton of baseball um, and it pays dividends. And when you think of their, you know, Austin Riley, Matt Olsen, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of baseball. But Matt, a guy like Matt Olsen, first base is in a super demanding position. Ronald Acuna is playing every day in right field, and that's something to take away from, you know, Olsen, Acuna, Harris. I mean, they have it on both levels, infield and outfield. Like, everybody is playing every day, and it's pretty incredible. Speaking of uh, Ronald Acuna, he has uh, reached a significant milestone this weekend with his 50th stolen base on Saturday, got number 51 on Sunday, and the clear leader to be the MVP. Look, I'd be lying to you if I said that I didn't want to win it. I would love to win it, but that's not where my mentality's at. The craziest part to me is he does it every night. So, like, you almost get used to it, which is kind of sad, you know. Like, you see it every single night, and to me that's what's so impressive about it, you know. There's a lot of guys that can do that one night or two nights out of five or whatever, but he does it every single night. So, I mean, like I said, it's kind of sad you get used to it, but it's unbelievable what he's doing. That's Bryce Elder. You gotten used to it at this point? Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but it's like, one of the great joys of this job is coming to the ballpark every day and watching Ronald Acuna Jr. be Ronald Acuna Jr. It is so hard to not take it for granted, though, because you see it every day. He's When he's on first, it's basically an automatic double because he's still second with such ease, especially with the new rules. There are so many times you could talk about his jumps, his routes, things that analytically don't show up great on the metrics, but... He makes so many incredible plays out there. He's so athletic. And the power, like just the explosiveness and the bat speed is unreal. Like I, but you do, he does it so consistently that, that yeah, you get used to it. You're like, oh, there's Ronald on first again. Or, oh, Ronald just doubled like nothing. I mean, has Ronald Acuna ever hit a cheapie? Doesn't seem like it. I, I don't think so. Doesn't um, seem like he has a broken back Texas leaguers in any of these hitting 330. No, and he's scorching balls. He's got like... I mean, when I checked, when I did something on him, and this was, granted, early June, uh, after, you know, that Phoenix series, he was, like, top five percentile in baseball and, you know, average exit velocity. Like, the this is not a fluke season. This is a five-tool player flexing his muscles after an injury two seasons ago and a season ago 
you know, a year that didn't go the way he hoped. This is a five-tool player showing every one of those tools on the highest level each night with consistency. And it's it's tough. You you do get used to it. Do you get used to it? I mean, I feel like it's it's you just he does it every day. It is nice to be pleasantly uh, surprised, but seeing that the expectations, these sky high expectations, have been exceeded, and it is bizarre though that nobody in Major League Baseball has stolen fifty bases uh, in the last six years, and only two people in Braves franchise history, the legendary Hap Myers. In 1913, and Otis Nixon, who has the franchise record with 72 stolen bases, have ever stolen more than 50. Yeah, because the issue is you can't steal first, right? So a lot of these burners aren't nearly as good of hitters as Ronald. And, and you know, the, a lot of the contact guys in the league just aren't fast enough to steal 50 bases. Or the, I mean, we'll see what the rule change does to things. Um, but... I mean, I think we're seeing now that it's it's not like stolen bases are super inflated for everybody. It's not like Michael Harris and Ozzy Albies are running anymore. Right, right, exactly. I think they're just inflated for guys like Ronald who have superhuman ability um, as is. The interesting part of this, and I don't want to touch too much because we, we have in previous podcasts, but Ronald Acuna was a guy that was seen as somewhat of the savior of a rebuild uh, coming out of it. He was seen as the guy who, if the Braves are going to get this right, they could not get that wrong. Um, He had to live up to it. I think he's exceeded expectations because he was supposed to be a star or superstar. He is a a mega global star who is going to be the face of Venezuelan baseball when Miggy retires. Um, That I don't think we realize just how much went into that and how many expectations there were and the type of pressure he probably felt to fulfill those from day one here. Um, And it's really wild because if Ronald Acuna were on the Giants or the Royals or just any team that's middle of the road talent-wise to very bad talent-wise, he would stand out even more than he does. He's just with a bunch of other great players, but he was really, he had to kind of, be the guy in this rebuild, and he's exceeded those expectations. Ronald Acuna's been able to go to the post every day. Unfortunately for the Braves, the guy they also had humongous expectations for this season, Max Freed, has not. But uh, sounds like uh, he'll be here next week. Yeah, yeah, he's he's coming along soon. Um, next week, as you say, Max threw, I think it was four and a third innings for the Stripers on Saturday night after falling ill early in the week and getting that rehab start pushed back a few days. That was his fourth and should be final rehab start. Um, now the Braves have their starters set for the Angel series coming up. It'll be Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, and Johnny Chirinos. Um, so they really don't have to make an official decision or at least announce it until after that series. I would think Friday or Saturday uh, for Freed. Friday he would be going on a day of extra rest after Thursday's Braves off day. Um, so yeah, the big thing with that fourth and final rehab start looks to be final, um, is the 79 pitches. The Braves have targeted, you know, 75 to 80 for the last start of a rehab assignment for him. He got that. If everything continues to go well, he should rejoin their rotation in Chicago next weekend against the Cubs. Nice ballpark for a return. Yep. Yep. All right. Now coming up, 
Will there be any more pitching help coming? What is Alex Anthopoulos thinking this close to the deadline? And the Braves have made one small move as we record that podcast. We'll talk about that and what's next. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, trade deadline is coming up. Less than uh, 48 hours to go now. We'll, of course, have wall-to-wall coverage from the best experts on the Atlanta Braves. And the only way to access everything the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has to offer is become a subscriber. We have lots to offer here, of course, not just all of our outstanding Braves coverage, but all of Atlanta sports. And we got politics, we got investigations, we got food and dining. And you can get it, of course, in the newspaper, in your newsletter on AJC.com, in the e-paper. We've got videos, we've got events. It goes on and on and on. So please join our community and head to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get three months of unlimited digital access to the AJC for just 99 cents. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's going on. All right, so does anybody know what's going on with the Braves at the trade deadline? Here's Matt Olson on how the players feel about what could happen in the next couple days. We, we got a lot of confidence in our guys. Um, positive if, if Alex were to go do something, it's for the you know, better benefit of the team, and we have full confidence in that too. Been kind of a busy Sunday, and Alex has done something. He's uh, upgraded at Utility Infield, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this one, um, and honestly, like this is one name that I thought when I was researching for a piece I did for Thursday, I was like, okay, like maybe that could fit um, because you want to go. I what I try to do is go to the sellers and see who they might have that might be worth it. I think they upgraded Nikki Lopez from the Royals for Taylor Hearn, who had spent less has spent less than a week on the roster before <laughs> this move. He made one appearance, allowed four runs, only recorded one out. I think this is really nice. He's a left-handed bat, good base runner. He had a really nice year if you look at it um as an everyday shortstop in 2021 where he had a 744 OPS. He hit, you know, 300. This is a guy who, you know, he's seen his playing time reduced, you know, a, a little bit um but I really like this for the Braves. One thing we mentioned, Jay, uh, that sounds too corporate, uh, and we mentioned on a live show, is a roster floor, right? I think they do a good job of upgrading that by getting Nicky Lopez. He's a better baseball player than Charlie Culberson, and that is no offense to Charlie, who's a great guy, um, has had some great moments for this team. I think he's a better baseball player, Lopez, even than Adrianza, uh, who the Braves traded for last year. I really like this. I mean, he's versatile, can kind of play anywhere in the infield, um, good base runner that can pinch run. Um, yeah, I I think this is a really, really nifty move from Alex. And look, we talked about the options with Taylor Hearn, right, and the depth that provided. 
the Braves, I truly believe, you know, liked the arm and big arm, but I don't think you lose much here. Like, this is just another team taking a flyer um, on an arm like that. I think this is a really nice pickup for the Braves um, in a way to ensure that their floor is a bit higher. Uh, and that, that guy, if they need him, can step in, right? Because it's one thing to say, okay, Charlie Culberson can kind of sit on the bench forever if you want it over 162, right? But what if somebody gets hurt down the stretch? Alex mentioned it in his call with us last week with local media. Dansby got hurt toward the, you know, the postseason one year. Um, we've seen different injuries here and there to every position. The last thing you wanted was for somebody to get hurt and to have to play Charlie Culberson or have to just scramble it and find somebody, you know, or bring up somebody who wasn't ready. They got a really, really nice position in what they value defensively and um, kind of versatility. Played second, played third, played short, played left, played first, and DH this year. One error. And a couple of years ago, still 22 bases, so it gives them a little more legs out of that utility infield spot. But uh, I'm sure this has come up in your mentions um, once or twice, but what about the pitching? Yeah, that's – well, that's a tough one, right? Because it's a seller's market. Um, this was a nice trade. But, Jay, I on our live show, and I keep referencing that because this is the baseline for a lot of these things. I talked about, well, could they – you know, could they upgrade in a big way? We still had to see the packages that would come out in future trades. The Mets for Max Scherzer got Acuna's brother, who's a top 50 prospect in baseball, if you look at MLB Pipeline. Um, he will probably be the Mets' number one, number two, or number three prospect when, you know, when he officially, you know, as he did now, enters that system. Um, the Rangers had to give up prospects for the pitchers they got, Jordan Montgomery, um, and then Jordan Hicks. Uh, the Angels gave up their number two and number three prospects for a Lucas Giolito Reynolds and Ronaldo Lopez reliever. I just think if you're the Braves, man, I don't with a team this good, you don't take anything for granted, of course. I don't think you sell off the future, man. I think it's likelier that they make a small pitching move, uh, maybe for a reliever or, you know, a back end starter of some sort, depth. Like, but I would say the most marquee move might come to the, the bullpen. I just don't know because these you see some of these packages coming out and you're like, one, man, do the would the Braves want to give up these steep, you know, prices for rentals or or maybe guys that, you know, they don't think are worth giving the depth up for. And so we've got uh Jay as we stand here. It's actually 6.30 right now, so we've got less than 48 hours, 47 and a half. 47 and a half hours to go. If you if if the Braves don't make a move, how confident are you in this team as currently constructed that they can win the pennant? Oh, very confident. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you watch them every day. This is a really, really good team. I understand the flaws, right? The bullpen has not been great. There have been injuries. Um, but the bullpen overall, the ERA is good. I just mean from the standpoint of fans saying, well, you know, they've lost us some games, whatever. I think this is a good bullpen. Um, and look what happened in 2021 after the way that bullpen looked throughout the season. I think this is a good bullpen. Jay, I'll approach it from this. If this team can't win the pennant, who can? I, I, the Dodgers, and I, I don't know. Couldn't you... Pick apart every team with a fine-tooth comb. We're looking for flaws. 
I think they addressed a big one. I think they addressed one where they gave themselves some very good coverage with Nicky Lopez and saying that, okay, if there is an injury there, you are going to have somebody and somebody good. Um, and you didn't really give up much for him. They addressed the need, you know, partially addressed the need, I thought, with Pierce Johnson. Big swing and miss stuff, big arm, you know, big time arm from the right side. I thought that was something they needed. Um, they could stand to add another reliever, in my opinion. Uh, but you look at the starting pitchers, man. They've used 12 of them. 15 if you count three openers and, you know, three different bullpen games. But the 12, among the 12, Jared Schuster, a top prospect. A.J. Smith-Shaver, a top prospect. Dylan Dodd, who came out of nowhere. I think they've got some really good depth options, especially when you consider that they'll add Max Reed, they'll add Kyle Wright. There are no guarantees that they add those guys or that those guys pan out, whatever. There are no guarantees in this game. But I think this is a really, really good team, especially in what they've shown to this point. Um, and I don't think you got to be desperate to add to the point where you'd be uncomfortable in what you gave up. Do do Does the last couple of weeks in the bounce back by Ozuna and Rosario eliminate the question of upgrading an outfield anywhere? And are they happy with Kevin Pillar as the righty off the bench? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it eliminates it, but I think that's – look, there would be – I told a reporter in Boston, uh, somebody who covers the Red Sox, I go I, – we were talking about the trade deadline, and I go – a lot of teams would be very happy to have Eddie Rosario, Kevin Pillar, Sam Hilliard eventually, and Marcelo Zuna in that outfield DH kind of alignment. And you can throw in the extra catcher for the DH if you ever need him. Um, but, yeah, I think, look, I think Kevin Pillar provides better defense. I mean, Eddie Rosario provides the better bat. We know this. I think it's good. And I think there you would just need to give up so much to meaningfully upgrade, right? Like what would be a meaningful upgrade? What would you consider that to be? And I think you would just give up so much. Like I think with this team, yeah, you got to go for it, but you've already gone for it. You traded for Sean Murphy. You have Max Freed. You have Spencer Strider. You know, you you have Michael Harris. You have Ronald Acuna. You have – they don't need to go for it in the same way that the Rangers did with their pitching, right? The Rangers, that was – a flaw. Their pitching was a flaw, especially that bullpen. Um, this team doesn't have any of those glaring weaknesses. I think that they will stand pat on that side. And I mean, they, they could add depth, but I just think they, I, you know, I think they'd like Kevin Pillar for that spot. He provides great defense. He's great for the clubhouse. I just don't think that that's the area they need to allocate their resources unless something very clear presents itself. I just don't see a splash there. What you, because the, the, the starters that were on the market have all kind of left the market now what's left that that would be a, a legitimate upgrade that the Braves could reasonably acquire yeah I mean I don't know right like Mitch Keller was a name you know people have talked about that swirled around you know in, in trade rumors um the Dodgers acquired Lance Lynn that's off the board um Lucas Giolito that's off the board you know you look at the Royals roster like you don't really want any Buddy, there. I mean, there's, there's really nothing there. Uh, the Cardinals, Jordan Montgomery is off the board. Would you like a Jack Flaherty rental? Like, does that move the needle for you? Like, the, the things I could see or you know, I don't really see Dylan Cease. That would take a lot um, at this point. I think you would want, ideally, a guy with years of control that could help rebuild your rotation for the future as well and help kind of strengthen that for the future and long-term years. But... I just don't think there's much out there, Jay. Like, I, Alex is thinking of a billion different possibilities that are still probably in play. 
He's never stumped. Can probably guarantee that he's thinking of somebody that we haven't thought about. But I just right now, you look at the clear sellers. I don't. I don't. Do you want him? I don't know. I don't know that you want him. Do you want to guess a trade right now? No, I do not. Because <laughs> I thought about doing this, and no, I do not. I've made a lot of old predictions on this podcast. The one thing I have learned in covering this team, you cannot guess what Alex is going to do. No. Uh, but uh, one of your bold predictions, of course, that um, the Braves broke the Mets uh, has, has clearly come around because we know the answer now that all parts apparently are for sale. Yeah. Jeez. You know what I found pretty, like, sobering was – so I – as, you know, as people who listen to our live show know because you noted it, my girlfriend is here visiting – um, nice, so, nice to meet the wonderful Mrs. Uh, Justin Discount. Yeah, there you go. No, that was awesome. Very fun. Um, she appreciated the hospitality. Six Flags on Friday, you know, a nice little farmer's market Saturday, whatever. I wasn't on Twitter um, as much as I usually am. I saw one night that Max Scherzer, after the Mets traded David Robertson, said that he's going to have to have a talk with the front office. Well, Jay, the next time I checked Twitter, Max Scherzer was also on the move. The trade was, you know, had been agreed to. Uh, now you wonder, is Justin Verlander next? And it, I mean, we go back to, we go back to three and a half games out entering June, 18 and a half out at the end of June. And oh my gosh. I mean, now I didn't see a scenario in which they would actually sell Max Scherzer. Cause I thought they would be a little closer to the, even to the point where they'd be on the bubble that they could afford to be stubborn. Jay, they are so far off the bubble that they cannot afford to be stubborn about this, and they have to explore all possibilities. They traded their closer. They traded you know, one of their aces. Justin Verlander might be next. Um, they've done well in the returns, it seems like. But, man, the Braves, ever since that – just because they've circled the drain, and uh, they're down now. All right, now look at uh, what's up next, and uh, that guy Otani's coming to Atlanta this week. He's, not not in a trade. He's going to be playing with the Angels. But he's, he's coming here. Yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> it's funny because a lot of Braves fans have mentioned, like, well, I mean, you know, he'd, he'd only have to walk through the side of the concourse. Would be very convenient. Get to the other side. No, that, I mean, the Angels basically said that they would keep Shohei Otani by trading for Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez, as we had mentioned. That Otani guy, the next JJ, won a shutout in one end of the doubleheader. Unbelievable. One hitter. And then another, the other end, two home runs, right? And that next game, I mean, it's just, honestly, like, there are times that I'm like, he can't keep this up, right? And then he keeps this up. And he keeps it, it up. It's, he's a phenom. I mean, he's an anomaly. Bummer that he won't be pitching, though. No, that that, that is that is disappointing. But uh, obviously a uh, once-in-a-lifetime talent will be in Atlanta this week, along with the trade deadline. And now, good time to dovetail into our Ask Justin segment where we answer uh, Braves fans' questions on the artist formerly known as Twitter at... Wow, Justin C. Toscano. We'll never stop calling it Twitter, Jay, right? Let's I... make a pact to never <laughs> stop. I, I'm not going to acknowledge the X, whatever it is. Don't care. It's Twitter. All right. First up from Brandon Dubisky. What's AA waiting on? We need some arms. If you're not hearing anything, he's working. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, that's... No, that's... I, I guarantee you he's working. This is a guy that you ask, you know, agents around the league and people who have dealt with him, like, this guy does not stop working. Like, he is a very hard worker. Uh, guaranteed he is working. From Emmanuel, would you trust Ozuna's recent power streak to stick, or would you use him as trade bait? Oh, that's a, see, that's that's a play you could use. 
I just think that disrupts the clubhouse too much. Like, I think Alex has a lot of trust in the clubhouse from those guys. But I think Ozuna has been shown to be a great teammate. I don't think you do that. He's got good power. He can change a game for you. I think you keep it. Speaking of the clubhouse, we got this question from Dan Adams uh, in our live show on uh, Thursday. We didn't get a chance to get to it. But is this team chemistry as healthy and as positive in the clubhouse as it appears to be on TV? And uh, we'll let Austin Riley answer that one. It really plays a part when, when you know, things aren't going our way. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, we we continue to have fun, know it's part of the game of, you know, you're going to go through those ebbs and flows um, and just continue to work and, 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 you know, like I said, have fun. I think mm-hmm. that, that keeps us, you know, on the up more than, than on the down. Seems like everybody is having as much fun as it appears. Yeah, 100%. That's one thing where you hear that from every team. I uh, I don't question it with this one. All right, we're also taking a couple questions uh, on the AJC Braves Report podcast hotline. You can call anytime, 404-526-AJCP. That is 404-526-2527. First up. This is Daniel in Atlanta asking about the Braves. Um, what's the deal with Von Grissom? What's the latest? Where is he? When's he coming back? Is he coming back? Also got this from uh, Scotty FSU on Twitter. Do you think Von Grissom trade could bring in a quality starting pitcher with years left of control? Depends how many years. I mean, that's they. That wouldn't be the end of the deal. I don't think Von Grissom would be the end of the deal. But here's the thing: is he's batting. You know, battle. If you bat over three hundred AAA, you show it a little bit. You know, in the majors as he did last year, and a little bit this year at the start in terms of the bat. That's uh, that's a very you know very attractive tool for teams i honestly think that because most of their top prospects are pitchers and very young ones at that and ones they just drafted at that i think von grissom's probably alex's best bullet uh in terms of kind of starting you know a trade and, and those conversations um yeah and now that they trade for nicky lopez you wonder kind of what happens to von grissom seems like at some point maybe he could be a utility guy but it kind of seems like he's that guy that maybe there's they're always going to find a place for you if you're good enough, but he he is that best bullet right now to me. I think he could help acquire a decent starting pitcher with multiple years of control, but that's not where the deal is going to end, in my opinion. All right, one more. Hey, this is Brian from Atlanta. I've been listening to you guys for about a year now. and been Thanks, a longtime Brian. Braves fan, and I got a bit of a fun theoretical question for you. If the 2021 World Champs played the 2023 Braves in a seven-game series, who do you think is going to come out on top? And I'll say that 2023, we do have Max Freed and Kyle Wright back on the mound with us in this theoretical scenario. Ooh, that's a good one. That is a good one. If if he were here in person, well, one, thank you for listening. If he were here in person, I would ask if it's the 2021 Braves in the postseason. I think I think that's fair. Okay, okay. Uh, if it's the 2021 Braves in the postseason, oh, that's tough. You know what? I think that... They were extremely hot and unreal. I think the 2023 Braves win four to three in seven games, barely, on like a a late inning hit, whether it's like a walk off or I don't whatever their home or away. I think I think that one goes seven, and I'm gonna say 2023 Braves because eventually, I don't care how hot you are, I think I think depth wins out, and it's a lot of the same players, but I think they've only gotten better since then. And you know, I think they would. Who's to say that the 2023 Braves wouldn't be hot? They, uh, the, they they had the same players except for one guy. 2023 Braves have Ron Lacuna. 2021 Braves did not in the World Series. And Michael Harris. Yes. And do so. and and I like my I like my chances throwing out Spencer Strider. Yep. All right. Time for winners of the week. You first. All right. My winner of the week is I'm gonna go 
with Matt Olson. Yeah. Really nice week. Um, he comes back, you know, he had two home runs uh, here today to, you know, I guess end the week, uh, start the proverbial next week, end the podcast week. Uh, I'm going to go with that because, Jay, he's got 19 multi-homer games since debuting. And since his debut in 2017, only six players have done that. There's a list of stars. You know, there's a list of stars on that list. Um, and he's got six multi-homer games this season. I'm going to go with Matt Olson, who I feel like has the quietest 88 RBIs you ever heard of <laughs> because of the team he's on. Like, it doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and, every you know, a lot of stars get talked a lot, a, a lot about in this game. Matt Olson doesn't get the chatter he deserves. I've got a couple. Uh, first, I'll go with the Braves turning the first 8-3-5 triple play since 1884. It seems like it's amazing that nobody in the last 130 years has run the bases as bad as the Red Sox did on Monday night, but apparently it has never happened before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was one, I think you can you can make an excuse for Adam Duvall, yeah. who was too far off first because maybe he got a bad read. Yoshida, there is no excuse for that. He he left after the throw was into. I mean, yeah. coming into first, I that was like the easiest. They handed that to him after after that. Nice play by Michael Harris, but man, that was a the easiest throw Matt Olson will ever make there. My other one is uh, Rob Manfred. Yeah, there you go. Nobody likes him, but he's getting a four year extension, and ESPN reports he's making about twenty five million a year. So. Uh, he may you may not like him, but he's laughing with a hundred million dollars back to the bank. He'll take it. I think Rob, you know Manfred, you know for how much criticism he has taken, deservedly so. Um, in some instances, the pitch clock and the shift and things like that really probably changed his tenure. I mean, I think changed the perception. All right, so that's where we will uh, leave it right here. So we plan to be back with you uh, on Wednesday morning with our uh, post-trade deadline special, and uh, we'll go as long as we need to there. But uh, we'll be here with you every Monday otherwise. So please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. And we'll see you on Wednesday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, Look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.